modern uh, contemporary song, but the idea of it is that you have the eternal and the temporal kind of fusing together at the incarnation and when Jesus comes. And that is a marvelous thought. Uh, and that's what we celebrate at Advent and at Christmas. This whole thing of God, the supernatural, almighty creator has come into this world. Uh, and not in a palace, uh, not in the Hilton in the 21st century, you know, in a, in a very, very humble place, little nothing of a town, little hamlet of a town. Uh, Bethlehem in the first century, uh, appearing to shepherds with no name, and just an incredible, an incredible story. Uh, and so that's what we celebrate today. And uh, so thank you so much to the band for leading us, Sean and Viano and Simon, and uh, my family who's running tech today. Thank you guys so much for leading us. And good morning, everyone. Today, the 13th, wow, 13th of December, 2020, okay? If we have any feedback, then we can mute all the mics except for mine, okay? And I want to thank the Bible college that we are in, Institut Biblique du Québec, for providing this place for us. We are here in the city of Longueuil. And uh, so grateful to our Bible College for allowing us to use their chapel during this time uh, that we live in, okay? If you are a first-time guest, I always make this announcement, but I feel like some of you are really shy, okay? So th there's no obligation or anything here. Just send the key phrase, reach the one, to 514-900-0130, and I'll put you on our... It's an email and text list. You can get off of it anytime you want. I'll send you a little free gift in your email as well. I can give you access to some goodies, like right now, media. And if you will do that and just acknowledge yourself, that would be great. Those of you who are watching this on Facebook or YouTube or our website, good morning. You are the audience today. And I'd encourage you to press that little button that says share on your screen, okay? And uh, share this with friends, with enemies, with whosoever, because you know there's a lot of people looking around on the internet these days, and they see the good, and they see the bad, and they see the ugly, and everything in between, okay? So hopefully we're a little bit of good. So press that share button. That would help so, so much to get the word out. And visit our website at citypointchurch.ca. Some of you are watching right now on the website. We've got all the media is there. Uh, we also have uh, audio and podcast. If you just like to listen, maybe you're in your car. Uh, Podbean and Apple Podcasts are the platforms that we are on. You can find us there. I encourage you to keep remembering and praying for our missionaries, the Charbonneaux who are in Port-au-Prince. Haiti today, and also the Mans. Uh, if you will look them up uh, on our uh, National Fellowships website, paoc.org. I'll repeat that, P is in Peter, aoc.org. And you can look up the Charbonneaux. I'll put them on the screen again. Or the Mans, and you can get contact information, their website, their Facebook get updates from them regularly, uh, immediately when they have them ready, okay? The man's released something uh, this week, so just stay in touch with them. It's We pray, we give, but it's great to communicate as well. So uh, the big announcement for today is next week, Sunday the 20th of December, we will have our last in-person gathering over at Cineplex Distrant in Brossard. We are a church, and even though the movie theater is closed to the public for movies, they do allow us to meet there under the rules and procedures of a church. Churches are allowed to meet in the province of Quebec, even in the red zones, with a maximum of 25 people and social distancing and masks and all of the restrictions in place. Uh, so we are going to meet one more time next week on Sunday. We have to be like our third or our fourth meeting, and they've gone very, very well. People have enjoyed it. 
uh, just kind of being together in the same place. It's safe. Uh, we've been there several times. Nobody's there except us. It is a kind of a ghost town. Uh, if you know jokes about the rapture, it's like the rapture happened and you go into the movie theater and everybody's gone except us. So uh, you can join us very simply by visiting our website. The homepage has a link for the 9.30 a.m. We have more than 25 and so we're going to do... Um, a 9.30 and a 10.30 with a 25-person cap for each. And uh, the band is working on a lot of Christmas music for the 20th of December. You're really going to enjoy it. As of right now, I think we still have 20 spots for the 9.30 and 13 for the 10.30. But the band and their families or friends who they're inviting has not registered yet. So when the band does, those spots are going to go down. You guys who are in the sound of my voice, you have to register as well. You bring your friends, you bring your family, you bring your kids, whatever. Every person counts toward the twenty-five, okay? And uh, they're going to have, they're going to be serving coffee and tea uh, one by one. They have a system at the concession stand where Cineplex is doing that for us. They're going to have staff ready for us, and it's us alone there on the 20th of December. So really look forward to being with you. And if you can't make it or, or you feel like you don't want to come, that's okay. We do have the stream for the ten thirty. Only if you're unable to make it. I know there's people. Uh, I'll mention it. Jackie, you're having surgery tomorrow. We're praying for you. And you can watch us online. Uh, we have that stream available, all right? Uh, thank you so much for your consistency in giving. Uh, through all of these months, we have been able to keep floating, as it were, to keep our head above water. It has not been easy, but we've been able to do that. Remember that uh, most of you are giving electronically on the occasion. People do uh, give cash or checks when we're at the theater, or sometimes people bring it uh, to my home so that it can be deposited and so on. But remember that December 31st, 11.59 p.m. is the last time you can donate for the year 2020 and receive an income tax receipt for your charitable donation, okay? So just remember that. Because there's probably some of you, and you're saying to yourself, oh boy, it's catch-up time. It's the month of December. Usually the month of December, and even in the pandemic, it's no different. That's when there's an enormous surge of giving to charities. So um, just remember <laughs> remember to be faithful uh, even in the month of December, and thank you in advance for that, okay? We are on part four of our Advent series called Rediscover Christmas, all right? My screen is working here, so I, I'll be able to look at the big screen. You'll be able to look at your screen on the phone or the tablet. You are our audience today. So, uh, uh, Advent series, and we're actually a week ahead of uh, traditional calendar in an Advent series, but anyway, an Advent series in that you you celebrate and, uh, and acknowledge the advent, the coming, the presence of Jesus, his first coming 2,000 years ago, and even his second coming, which is an event yet to happen in uh, history. And so uh, the, the idea of advent is it takes your, it takes your mind off of the hustle and bustle uh, around the season that's typically there. Not that the hustle and bustle is bad, but it can be very distracting. It can be very nerve-wracking. It can create a lot of anxiety. And so you kind of say, well, hold on here. Uh, all of the activity is good and all that is good, but what is Christmas really all about? What does the birth of Jesus mean to me and to my life? What did it mean to the people 2,000 years ago? What was the significance of that? What about the second coming? Do I believe in the second coming, like that Jesus is actually going to come back? If I do believe that, what does that mean to me and to my life today? And we think about all of these things uh, in Advent. So uh, Advent, usually in a traditional Advent calendar, you cover the same themes, a hope, peace, 
joy and love. So today we're talking about love. So I'm going to ask a few questions to you to try and get you talking back a little. Please use the comment section uh, on Facebook. Uh, my wife is running that over there. YouTube, we don't have anyone on there, but Facebook, we've got someone on there. And so please send comments, uh, answer questions. I want to get you involved today. I've got my phone in front of me so I can see what you are, uh, what you are saying. And uh, I'd love to ask you a few questions, get you involved uh, as we have the last few weeks. Where can we find love in the year 2020? I mean, if there's a year in the sort of modern era here, uh, the last generation, where you kind of question, is there any love in the world? It would be the year 2020. I mean, there's an awful lot of anger there's an awful lot of division. There's an awful lot of protest. There's a lot of deception, a lot of misunderstanding, uh, conspiracy theories galore, mistrust. All of these things are kind of coagulated together in the year 2020. Where can we find love when we have a year of uh, uh, remember the fires in January uh, in Australia? Do you remember? That's like, that's this year, okay? That was, you know, 11, 12 months ago. Uh, it seems like ancient history. I mean, there's been so many things. There's been all kinds of floods. We've got this worldwide uh, pandemic. I've used the word pestilence there on your screen. You've got associated things with that, economic collapse, mass unemployment, and on and on and on it goes right down to these nasty murder hornets. I mean, it's like something out of a, out of a science fiction movie almost. Where can you find love in the year 2020? Maybe you have an answer to that question. Maybe you're not so sure you want to answer. Uh, but uh, I'd encourage you to participate here. Let me see what's coming in. Online. Yeah, that's a good question. Good answer. Where can you find love online? And there are a lot of, lot of couples who meet online. And I have done a few weddings now of couples who their original connection started on the web. True, very true. Here's another question for you, and I'm, it's always a 30-second delay, so when I talk, I know I have to wait 30 seconds, all right? What is the first thing that comes to mind? Lots of love at church, someone said. Good, I like hearing that. That's good. I met my wife in, in church, okay? What's the first thing that comes to mind when you hear the word love. What's the first thing? What's the first word maybe that comes to your mind? And there may be a variety of different answers to this, you know. You may think of a particular person. Uh, maybe it's your spouse. Maybe it's your child. Maybe it's your, your parents, your mother, your father. Maybe it's a close friend. Maybe, that, maybe you're thinking of a relationship when you think of the word love. Uh, maybe love conjures up a different word or a different concept in your mind. Maybe it's a concept of sacrifice. Uh, maybe it's unconditional love. Some people, when they think of love, they think of their pet. And they say, my pet loves me and I love my pet, okay? But what is the first thing that comes to your mind when you think of the word love? No wrong answers here. Someone said, mummy, good, I'm glad, and I'm sure whoever the mummy is, she's happy to hear that, all right? So uh, keep those answers coming in. Girlfriend, all right, that's good, whoever the girlfriend is. Hopefully you know that someone's thinking of you today. That's good. Uh, keep them coming in here. Here's another question for you. Who then, in the original Christmas story, and again, when I say the original Christmas story, I'm not talking about something out of a Hallmark movie or something you watch on Netflix. I'm talking about what we read in the Gospels, Matthew chapter 1, Matthew chapter 2, Luke chapter 1, Luke chapter 2, the 2,000-year-old records that we have of the life of Jesus uh, and in particular, the birth of Jesus from Matthew and Luke, who in the original Christmas story best exemplifies, in your opinion, 
love. Again, no wrong answers here. Who exemplifies love? And you've got a, you know, a fairly fairly different spectrum of a cast of characters uh, from the Christmas story, right? If you've been tracking with us, you've got, first, it starts with the parents of John the Baptist. So you've got Zechariah, you've got his wife Elizabeth, two senior folks, and there's an announcement made to Zechariah while he's in the temple doing a special burning of incense ceremony by an angel makes this announcement to him that his wife is going to conceive. Hmm, maybe he's a good example of love. Maybe she's a good example of love. Their child would be John the Baptist. Uh, we have other characters from the cast of Christmas Mary, okay, someone wrote Mary, good example of love. Uh, we have her husband, his name starts with a J, Joseph, maybe he's a good example of love. We have the angels, we have Gabriel, we have a large, great company of angels mentioned. Uh, we have the shepherds. Um, no names mentioned to the shepherds. We have the innkeeper. That's a trick question. There is no innkeeper, if you've been tracking with us. We have the wise men. Maybe they're an example of love. But in your opinion, who best exemplifies love in the Christmas story? While you're tracking and trying to come up with some answers there... Uh, we're going to get into our message today, and this is called With Love from the Magi. With Love from the Magi. Somebody wrote Joseph. Yeah, he's a good example. Uh, With Love from the Magi, and I'm going to focus on them, and I'll call them wise men today. Uh, the word in the New Testament is more like magi or mogwai. Uh, if you ever saw the old movie from the 1980s, Gremlins, you remember the mogwai? Well, that's the word that kind of sounds like the word in the New Testament that's used for these folks. And they are an odd bunch, uh, the wise men in the Christmas story. And you will only find them in one place and one place alone, the Gospel of Matthew, all right? So I'm going to turn there in my little paper Bible here, and you can try and find it in your Bibles wherever you are. Maybe you've got an electronic Bible. It'd be pretty easy to find Matthew. Maybe you've got a paper Bible. You want the first book of the New Testament, which is the Gospel of Matthew, all right? And I'm going to start at verse 18 and just kind of plow through here until we get to the wise men. So this is how Matthew renders the Christmas story right after he does this big genealogy uh, in Matthew chapter 1. By the way, next week uh, on the 20th, I'm going to talk about, uh, even though we're having a lot of music that day, I'm going to talk about just briefly why it is important and why it is important for you to understand the virgin birth and why it is of, of enormous importance uh, that Jesus is born of this young woman, Mary, who, as we're told in the story, is at that time a virgin. And I want to explain to you why that is so important, especially from the mind of a Jewish person. And it is extremely important, and, and you may never have heard this before, but I'm going to teach on that uh, next Sunday when we're at the theater, all right? This is how the birth of Jesus Christ came about, Matthew chapter 1, verse 18. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph. But before they came together, that means before they came together, all right? Put two and two together. But before they came together, that means that Mary was not a virgin all of her life, okay? Mary had several children. They're listed in the Gospels. But before her and Joseph consummated their marriage, it was legal at that time, but it was not physically consummated yet. Before they came together, she was found to be with child through the Holy Spirit. Uh-oh, problem in that culture. But because Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man and did not want to expose her to public disgrace, 
It's disgraceful in that culture for a young uh, Hebrew girl to be pregnant outside of the marriage ceremony. She was legally betrothed to him, but she had not started living with him. It would have been considered adultery. She obviously was with another man. It would have been considered disgraceful. And so he has this idea to divorce her quietly, not publicly. But after he considered this, an angel of the Lord, we don't know what angel, we don't know what name, appears to him in a dream while he's sleeping and says to him, don't be afraid. Take Mary home to be your wife. Because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. I'll explain why that's so important next week. She will give birth to his son, and you are to give him the name Jesus. This is the same name as Joshua, which means uh, Jehovah is our Savior. Jehovah saves. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said. Through the prophet Isaiah, the virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son. And they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Wow, look at that. My Google, my Google audio just kicked in and wants to hear from me. No, be quiet. Okay, so uh, <laughs> you know what that's like when that happens on your phones, uh, which means God with us. There, it didn't do it. Okay, good. He thought I was calling for G-O-O-G-L-E. All right. I can hear you laughing on that camera. I can hear it. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded took Mary home as his wife, but he had no union with her until, see, until she gave birth to a son and he gave him the name Jesus. Now, here's where the wise men come in. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, I'll say it again, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, that means the wise men were not there when Jesus was born. I know that looks great on Christmas cards and Christmas pageants and uh, nativity plays and all that, but the Bible says that they came after he was born in Bethlehem of Judea during the time of King Herod. This would be Herod the Great who died in 4 B.C. You say, well, if Herod died in 4 B.C., and how come it doesn't seem to work if Jesus was born in the year zero? It uh, seems like Herod died before Jesus was born. There's a reason for that. It's because of a monk named Dionysius, and the way that he structured the calendar, he made a mistake. So it's really complicated. So Jesus wasn't born in the year 0 AD. Jesus was probably born somewhere between 4 and 6 BC, if you go by what history says and not by what tradition says, okay? So Herod the Great is uh, the Herod in charge charge at that time, and when he died, his kingdom would be divided up unto his sons and so on. Herod was like a client king. Rome had uh, appointed him king of the Jews, so to speak, but he was a client king. Judea, uh, the whole place of Palestine, was like a vassal state for, for Rome. Um, and so, uh, the, the, the wise men come from the east. How far east? Probably quite far uh, from the east, and this would be the area of Babylon, even further perhaps. So we're talking about hundreds and hundreds of miles minimum that these people had traveled to Bethlehem in the little province of Judea. They are not Jewish. They are foreigners to the land, and they are coming to Judea. They come to Jerusalem uh, from the east. So they have to travel west to get there, and they ask, where is the one who has been born king of the Jews? Hold on. I thought Herod was the king of the Jews. Well, according to Rome, he was, uh, but not according to the wise men, apparently. We saw his star, some translations in the east, some translations when it rose. Um, in either case, if we really look into what this star could have been, it appears to be something that's not natural. The movements of this uh, celestial body are not natural movements, if you know about astronomy. So it has confounded scholars throughout the years. We saw his star in the east and have come 
to worship him. If you're Herod the Great, you're getting very angry. When Herod heard this, he was disturbed. By the way, Herod, we know a lot about him from history. Very paranoid fellow, had one of his wives murdered, had some of his kids murdered. Whenever he was threatened, he would uh, take action. He was a paranoid uh, leader, a powerful leader, and an incredible architect. And some of the things that Herod uh, built, you can still visit today. And so um, he was disturbed. All Jerusalem was disturbed with him. Who is this king of the Jews? We don't understand this. And when he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked where the Christ was to be born. This teaching about the Messiah was obviously familiar, but here it comes right front and center in their face. There is someone who has allegedly been born, and there are foreigners from a different land who are saying, we want to know where he is because we have come to worship him. This creates an uproar. And so they tell Herod, uh, we know how to read the Bible, Herod. Herod was not uh, fully Jewish. He was a uh, Idumean descent, so he wasn't regarded as fully Jewish. In Bethlehem, in Judea, they replied, for this is what is written in the prophet. They quote from Micah chapter 5, verse 2, about the Messiah being born in Bethlehem. And then Herod, he calls the wise men to himself in a private meeting, and he finds out from them exactly when they saw this star. Give me the time that you saw this thing in the sky, because if what you're saying is true, and if what these Bible interpreters are telling me is true, then I will know where he is, and I will know when he was born. He is a threat to me, and a threat to my leadership, and if we know Herod from history, that means he's interested in taking this little child's life, unfortunately. So he, uh, he finds out the exact time that the star appeared, and he sent, sends the wise men to Bethlehem, and he says, go and make a careful search for the child, and as soon as you find him, report to me, so that I too may go and worship him. Yeah, right. That's not real worship, okay? That he's looking to find out. Uh, he, he's sending the, the wise men on a reconnaissance mission so that he can find out exactly where this child is so that he can get rid of this child. And when they had heard the king, they went on their way. And the star they had seen in the east, or when it rose in some translations, went ahead of them. Stars don't normally travel this way. And it stopped over the place where the child was, not baby, child. Jesus may have been up to two years old at this point, where the child was or where the, the, uh, the infant was, if you will. And when they saw the star, they were overjoyed. There he is. He must be there. This was their thinking. On coming to the house, it's not a barn, it's not a stable, it's not a cave at this point, it's a house. So this means Jesus has already been born. You can take what Luke wrote, and you can put this little narrative after what Luke wrote, okay? You put the two together. So this is, this is the house. Uh, coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary. Joseph is not mentioned. Note carefully at this point, we have no idea where Joseph is, but he is not uh, uh, mentioned. And they bowed down and worshipped him, Jesus, a little child. These men, non-Jewish from far away, have traveled quite a long way to worship a child? What did they think about him? Uh, well, they thought he was a king. They thought he was royal. But, man, that's a long way to travel. And they're bowing down before a little child. And they opened their treasures. So they brought gifts with them. And these, these treasures are interesting. They presented him with gifts of gold and incense and myrrh. And then verse 12, having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod. In other words, 
Herod is on a reconnaissance. He sent you on a reconnaissance patrol. Don't go back to him. Don't give him any information. Return to your country, but take another route. Don't go through Jerusalem. You're going to run into Herod. There's going to be tr trouble is coming. Um, seeing if more texts are coming in. No? Okay, good. So that's where we have the wise men. Now, I want you to learn a lesson about love from these rather strange, unnamed folks. First of all, much has been said about the gold and the incense and the myrrh. Uh, I found something that I think you'd find really, really interesting uh, about this. These were actually standard uh, gifts in that time to honor a king or to honor a supposed god. Uh, in the ancient world, these were not uncommon gifts, all right? And we actually have record. Um, these three items were among the gifts, as we can see in some ancient inscriptions, that King Seleucus II... Callinicus offered to the god Apollo in the temple in Miletus in 243 BC. <laughs> Same gifts, gold, uh, incense, and myrrh. Also interesting, in the book of Isaiah, uh, and you can flip there if you like. Isaiah is kind of in the middle of your Bible. There is a curious passage that is not often mentioned at Christmas time, but uh, in Isaiah chapter 60, and uh, verse 6, the author there, Isaiah, is seeing a vision of Jerusalem gloriously redeemed and transformed. This would be most likely referring to something in the future ahead even of us. Um, and this is what it says here. Uh, Herds of camels, verse 6 of Isaiah 60, will cover your land. Young camels of Midian and Ephah and all from Sheba will come bearing gold and incense and proclaiming the praise of the Lord. So it's interesting. In the ancient world, these gifts were brought uh, to kings and to supposed gods uh, as gifts. And so these wise men from the east are doing something that they're believing that this little child in this little town is somehow a deity and a king. Where did they get this information? How did they know this? How did they figure this out? This has confounded people for years. Some say this is referring to an ancient prophecy from the book of Numbers, Numbers 24, uh, that talks about a star and the, the Messiah being born. It's a kind of a cryptic prophecy from Numbers chapter 24. It's a bit hard to interpret. Some say it's that that tipped them off. Some say that maybe Daniel, when Daniel was captive in Babylon, had somehow taught these people and they were exposed to the Hebrew scriptures and the Old Testament. We don't really know how they were able to figure this out, but they managed to ascertain who this child was, where he was, and they are the first to worship the little child Jesus. Notice they're not just acknowledging, they're worshiping, they're bowing down, and they're presenting him these gifts with love from the Magi. Now, of all of the words that we think of, uh, when we think of the word love, so far, not one of you has answered the word that I'm looking for. And the word that I'm looking for is the word worship. Because what we tend to do, especially in church circles, is we define love over here and we define worship over here. And they tend to be distinct in our minds. Uh, worship, we often think of as, you know, we come together, we sing some songs, we close our eyes, uh, we raise our hands and we say, well, that's worship. Or maybe we take it a little bit further and we say, well, worship is your lifestyle. It's the way that you live your life. Um, you know, we might get really uh, scriptural. and We pull a verse out of Romans 12. And we say, offer your bodies as living sacrifices to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. And we say, see, worship is more than just singing. Worship is a lifestyle. Okay, that's good. And then we have love over on the other side. But we don't put the, the two together. Uh, and we don't say 
To worship is to love. To love is to worship. We tend not to do that. Although uh, in the culture, sometimes when people say worship, they use it in the same context of love. And, you know, I worshipped the ground she walked on. You know, a, a man might say of his first girlfriend or whatever, or, you know, they might, they might use it that way. But the Bible, when the Bible defines love, it definitely has worship in mind. You will see love and worship very much joined together in the Bible, uh, especially when it concerns God. Our love of God and our worship of God are very much connected, and so is our love for other people. And I want to show you this a little bit from the wise men um, and their actions, all right? So it just, just three little points for you uh, to consider here. Number one, when we love God, how do we demonstrate this? How do we express that we love God? For some people, saying that they love God feels really awkward. It's like, well, I love God. I mean, I don't know how to even say that. It feels so weird, so strange, so awkward, especially for men. For men to say, I love you, Lord, it feels so weird. Uh, let me encourage the men there on the other side of the camera David said, I love you, Lord, a lot. David was kind of like a man's man, and he had no trouble saying that he loved God. But when we love God, how do we express it? Well, we express it through worship. So these wise men showed their love of Jesus by traveling all that distance bringing those gifts and presenting them to Jesus when he's a little child. He, Jesus would have had no uh, uh, appreciation for those gifts at that time. He was a little child. His mother probably would have been stunned by this. And maybe when Jesus was older, maybe she would say, uh, you know, I just want to let you know that when you were about two years old, there were some strange folk who came to the house and they brought these gifts. Take a look at them. Maybe she had that conversation with Jesus when Jesus was a little older. We have no record of it, but maybe. The point is they thought it was incredibly important for them to make a journey of several hundred miles minimum to present this little child with these gifts and to bow down before him because they knew who he was and they expressed their love of Jesus by worshiping him. And this is how we show God that we love God is by worshiping him. You say, well, what do you mean? Do I have to go and buy some gold and some incense and some myrrh and go and sort of bow down in my house and, and pray to God and tell God I love him? Like, how does that work in my life today in the 21st century? Well, just next little observation for you, and we'll keep putting them on the screen here if you'll track with me, my technician. Yeah, when we, wor when we worship God, then how do we express that? So if we love God... We express it through worship, but if we worship God, how do we express that we worship God? Is it by singing songs uh, together? That's a little bit of it. Is it by offering your, yourself as a living sacrifice to God and being transformed by the renewing of your mind, as Paul says to the Romans, Romans chapter 12? Yeah, that's a little bit of it, but part and parcel of all that is we do what God says. If we love God, we'll worship God. If we'll worship God, then we'll obey God. We'll do what God says. You say, well, what do you mean, obey? You mean, is that like God tells me what to do, like a drill sergeant, and I obey? And yes, sir, no, sir. Is that what my relationship with God is, and it's just obey? And if I don't obey God, God's going to hurt me? God's going to punish me? Is that what you're saying? No. When obedience happens in a relationship with God, it happens because of love. It happens because of worship. When we do as God says, we are believing that God loves us and is telling us things for our benefit, for our safety, 
for our blessing, for a healthy relationship with him and even healthy relationships with others. We express our worship of God quite simply by doing what he says. So Gospel of John, a very famous passage. We have been in and out of this a little bit over the last few weeks. John chapter 14, uh, verses 15 to 21, some of Jesus' closing words to his disciples before he's uh, crucified. If you love me, you will obey what I command. So don't claim to love me if you don't do what I say. Uh, it even works that way sometimes in, in uh, uh, personal relationships, close relationships, in marriage. You know, you say you love your spouse, and your spouse asks you to do something, and you don't do it <laughs> over and over and over again. Well, you know, your spouse may question. They may, that may cause some questions there. If you love me, you will obey what I command. I will ask the Father, and he will give you another counselor, one just like me, to be with you forever, the spirit of truth. And he talks to them and explains to them that because he loves them, the Holy Spirit will be with them as if Jesus never left them. He will be one just like Jesus who will be with them and in them. And then he says, um, whoever has my commands, verse 21, and obeys them, he is the one who loves me. He who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love him and show myself to him. So when we love God, we express it through worship. When we worship God, we express it through obedience. You say, well, how am I supposed to obey God? What do you mean obey God? Do what God says. How's that work? Next slide. When we obey God... We love our neighbor. So, we love God. How do we show it? We worship him. How do we show that we worship God? By doing what he says. What is he telling us to do? The first and foremost thing that God is saying to his church worldwide today in the 21st century, you want to know what God is saying to his church today, I'm about to tell you, and I'm no prophet. It's what Jesus said 2,000 years ago, and it applies more today probably than it has in 100 years. When we obey God, we love our neighbor. Matthew chapter 22, just pulling from there, and Jesus says this in several places, but I'll take it out of Matthew chapter 22 and verses 37 to 40. He's being questioned, which is the greatest commandment in the law? The law is the first five books of the Bible, the books of Moses, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Deuteronomy, Numbers, He's being challenged, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And Jesus replied, here it is. Listen to me. You want to know what God is saying to his church today in the 21st century? He's not making comments about an American presidential election. That's not what God is saying today. Let me tell you what God is saying today to his church worldwide. This is what he's saying. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. And this is the first and the greatest commandment. And the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. That's what God is saying today. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. Why is that so important today? My friends, if the, if the culture around us, if the world around us will see the church, will see the community of faith showing love to this world and showing love to this culture when dealing with a pandemic, you, you will see people stand up and take notice when you start talking about your faith. When they see your actions, they'll start to wonder who maybe there is something to this Jesus 
born in Bethlehem 2,000 years ago. But they're not going to see that by you arguing about politics and whether or not you should take a vaccine. <laughs> That's not where they're going to see love. And let me just say as a little commentary here, because I come from a science background, those vaccines that are coming out are brilliant technology that are banking on God's design of the immune system in the human body. They are banking on what God already created. Vaccines do this anyway. These vaccines that they're putting out now from Pfizer and I think Moderna's will be approved as well. These use a particular kind of technology where you put mRNA into a vaccine and it tells the cell to build this protein that looks like the spike on the virus. This is very clever technology. Uh, but let me just say it categorically that that technology is banking on the fact that God designed the immune system. So don't be jumping around to all these conspiracy theories and saying God says this about this vaccine and God says this about that vaccine and this vaccine is the mark of the beast and that vaccine is that they're trying to control us. They're trying to turn us into zombies. It's the movie I Am Legend all over again. No, that's not what it is. It's a vaccine. And so uh, you're not showing love when you're worried about, you know, whipping up controversy about the vaccine. I'll tell you how you're showing love in the 21st century when you knock on your neighbor's door and you see how they're doing. You see if they have enough food on the table. You see if maybe they lost their job. You wonder how their health is. Yeah, you keep your two-meter distance, but that doesn't mean you can't knock on your neighbor's door, right? You wear a mask, you wash your hands, and you love your neighbor. A hundred years ago, when the, when the influenza was running for two years and they had no vaccine technology, that's what the church did. The church, churches didn't meet. Uh, when they couldn't meet, they didn't meet. And they would, they would go around and they would see how people were doing. And in many cases, there were Christians who put themselves in harm's way and served as nurses and all of these things to serve people who had this terrible influenza at the time. So what an opportunity for the church to show people love by what? Loving God, loving your neighbor as yourself. When people see that, they stand up and they take notice. John chapter 13, verses 34 and 35, Jesus says, Love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. And by this, all men will know that you are my disciples. If you love one another, that's a message to the believing people. Uh, this is not the time for churches and Christians to fight with one another. This is a time for churches and Christians to unite with one another and love one another in the community of faith so that the broader culture stands up and says, wow, look at how much they love each other. Look at how united they are. But what are they seeing now? They're seeing some of that maybe, but they're seeing a lot of arguments about this and that and the other thing. All of that stuff, that's all, that's all secondary. That's not what the culture wants to see. And that's not what the culture needs. What the culture needs is a practical demonstration that people in the household of faith love their neighbor. Have you checked on your neighbor lately? Uh, when you talk to your neighbor, do you wear a mask? Just a little piece of practical thing. And by the way, when we meet here, yes, we're two meters apart. I know some of you have wondered, man, that band looks an awful lot like they're close together. Yeah, the lens looks like that. But we keep them two meters apart. And yes, on the 20th of December, we follow all the rules. We follow all the rules at Cineplex. And yes, if there is an announcement by the premier to close churches, because right now churches can be open with 25 people, Yes, we will communicate with you uh, and keep you up to date with what's going on there. We'll see. He may in impose a lockdown uh, this week. There's, there's news on the horizon, apparently, tomorrow, Tuesday. But you can love your neighbor in spite of all that, can't you? And now you even have all of this crazy technology to reach your neighbor in a safe way. 
This is what God is saying today in this Advent season uh, through even these strange folks, these wise men from, you know, two millennia ago. What are we prepared to do to show God that we love him and worship him and obey him and love our neighbor? You see, the way you love this way is related to the way you love this way. You hate your neighbor and claim to love God, there's a contradiction. You claim to love God and you hate your neighbor, there's a contradiction. There has to be. The, the two of them work in sync. This was the whole foundation of Jesus's uh, 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 preaching to people about relationships. How does that affect you? What are you prepared to do at Christmas time to demonstrate that you really love God? I'd like the band if they'd come back and they're going to finish up today whatever song you guys want. You've done such a terrific job and I just encourage you at home to enjoy uh, the, the ministry of this band as they have they have worked so hard and have so much fun really uh, together producing music for you. Uh, but I'm just going to pray for you before I hand it over to them and they will lead us in a closing song here. I wonder today, um, as I look, you know, just into this camera and imagine y your, your faces wherever you are today. Some of you, you're going to be watching this or listening to this as you're recording. But just, just as I close my eyes and I think of you, I wonder what is God saying to you, not just about yourself, what is God saying to you about himself and what is God saying to you about others and how you can be a light in a dark world to others there are people uh, around you in your immediate vicinity either geographically or you know your friends on social media and they are in need and maybe you're oblivious to that Maybe God would speak to you this morning and he would tell you, this is what I want you to do for you to demonstrate love to your neighbor. Because that love to your neighbor is an expression of your love to me. So Lord, I pray you would speak to people. I pray you would impress upon people's minds. Lord, that Christmas 2020 would make an impact in the lives, not just of us, but of other people who don't know you. Lord, we have an opportunity that is so, so open to show people your love through our hands. And so I pray you would speak to people. And again, I pray for for uh, those in our immediate audience here who are facing tough moments, anxiety, stress, all of these things, Lord, we, we, we reach across and pray your blessing and pray your power into each household. We love you, Lord, and we worship you today. In Jesus' name, amen.
Worthy of every song we could ever sing Worthy of all the praise we could ever bring Worthy of every breath we could ever breathe We live for you the name above every other name Jesus the only one who could ever save worthy of every breath we could ever breathe we live for you bless you today and again don't forget to register for next week the 20th online on our website at citypointchurch.ca i look forward to being with you then uh, both in person and online until then god bless you everyone
foundation and I will put my trust in you alone and I will not be shaken and I will put my life upon your love it is a Thank you.